1: And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright,
2: and I'm Adam Scalina. And Corey, I gotta say, you're you're dressed like it's Friday. It's actually only Thursday. Uh, yeah. Well, you know this. Uh, well, is that a Harry Rosen? No, I, I can't, it's, I can't it's, tell. It's a nice looking sweater.
1: Well, you know, I, I I missed a week of the Peloton there, right? So in my body at my age. If I drive by McDonald's, I just gain weight. I don't have to pull it anymore. <laughs> so that one week of Pelotons really limited my outfits, including the colors on my dress shirts that don't do up right now. So I'm in the sweater probably for the next 10 days till I can get this one week off of the Peloton weight off of me.
2: So I, I you don't have to tell me the whole story. I heard the Nicole's notes, but you fell off a bike and the bike was a yeah, yeah. Peloton. <laughs>
1: so, so yeah, so I, the, the left pedal was wobbling. Right. Which most people's brain is like, hey, I should stop, get (laughs) off to find out what's going on. My brain, hey, let's get off the seat, crank the tension, see how fast we can go. So when I did that, the pedal just snapped right in half. And I, I, you know, I really wish I could have seen what happened because it's like almost like I felt like I was rolling in an avalanche.
2: It could have been a (laughs) viral. It
1: happened so fast. And next thing you know, I have one leg on the Peloton, one leg off the Peloton. I'm on the floor at some point. I, it's just, it was a bad situation. Are so. you the
2: the first guy to fall off? Well, a,
1: the girl at Peloton, stationary on the, the girl at Peloton on the customer service line and the guy that showed up to fix it made me feel like I was the first guy that, that's oh, ever that's happened Oh, that's such to. a
2: good story. I'm glad we got to so, revisit yeah. that. Every yeah. week we should revisit that <laughs> this story. This story's
1: got about a good three episodes run on it here, so.
2: <laughs> well, let's not bury the lead. We've got a fantastic episode today. We've got John Switzer. He is uh, from Impact Commercial and just Generally a wealth of information, John. Totally, totally.
1: And I think right now too, we had to get them on the show right away. Interest rates have obviously taken a very dramatic and sharp climb up. I think a lot faster right. than a lot of people anticipated. So we had to unfortunately bump a guest, get them on right away because we had to get some inside knowledge of what's happened, where are they going? Because a lot of people have a lot of questions. A lot of listeners have reached out. So we wanted to get John on the show. Very good insight, breaks down what's happened and where they're going to give you a lot there. And also at the same point in time, it says, hey, it's all going to be Okay here's what you got to look for when you buy don't worry about a thing
2: yeah it's so fascinating cuz we've been talking about a lot about interest rates on the residential show and it's clearly you know there's a lot of parallels but at the same time it's it's very different right in commercial 100%. versus residential and the
1: one thing too that we we benefit for is you know I mean although you have a townhouses condos and houses they're all used for the same thing more or less right, right? for living Versus commercial, we have industrial, office, development land, self storage, retail, so many different other asset classes. So, when some asset classes don't do as well, other ones pick up the slack and vice versa. So, you've got a lot of options always going on. So, there's not as much scarcity because you can always pivot the assets you're looking to buy and stuff like that. So, we get a little bit, we can weather it a little bit better. Although maybe you can in residential, but nevertheless, they are going to be affected by interest rates for sure.
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation with John, who's going to be affected and uh, where he thinks there's going to be potential softness in the market and what he thinks is going to just kind of persevere. So yeah. it's, it's a great conversation. Looking forward to that. Corey, one quick question I have for you before. Does this, does this create any opportunity for uh, people?
1: Yeah, I think what you're going to find too, and, and John talks a little bit on the show there, there's probably some people that may have bought some properties that maybe they have you know, development land, especially where you might have some bridge debt on the property. Bridge debt is I'm buying it, you know, today for this, I'm going to improve the property or renovate the property or build on the property, but I can't get conventional financing on it. So I got to take out higher interest. And sometimes those higher interest could be a variable where you might be, you know, seven, 8% a year ago, and now you could be like nine or 10%. So there could be opportunities there. And you also might see it too a little bit of sticker shock out there when buyers go to buy property. They think they're putting 25 or 30% down, but because of the higher interest rates, their loan-to-values far less, and they get told, hey, you can buy it, but you need 40 or 45% down, that might have a little bit of, of effect in the short term where a lot of buyers have to pull out of deals unexpectedly. And then, you know, sellers are on the market a little bit longer. Inventory beefs up a little bit. So, I mean, just you got to in commercially go by location, 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 know what you're doing that way. As long as you keep to that strategy, you might find a good opportunity here and there.
2: That's fantastic. All right. Well, without further ado, let's cut to our conversation with John Switzer. Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Okay, so we're here with John Switzer. He is partner at Impact Commercial. How you doing, John? Uh doing great
0: today, guys. Thanks for having me on again.
2: Thanks for taking the time, John. For some of our listeners that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. I've been with Impact Commercial for just about five years now. Got into this industry uh, a, a little later maybe than, than most. I was in the uh, investment world before this, but uh, best decision I've ever made and loving the industry and, and working with the guys here at Impact and all of our awesome clients.
1: John, I, I take pride in saying this. You are a past guest and a Matt fan favorite. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us That's as awesome, always. I mean, we'll, we'll just jump right into this thing. The big pink elephant in the room, whether you're in residential or commercial is interest rates. And we wanted to have you on today to talk about that. There's been a lot of it swirling in the news about how fast interest rates have gone up. There's been a lot of stuff you know, dictated by inflation. So can we sort of start off maybe just giving us a, a recap of where we were, say, six months ago? Where are we now and how does that compare to, say, we were, we were like three years ago or four years ago pre-COVID?
0: Sure. So, yeah, th- going back pre-COVID, we were in kind of this not, not super high growth, actually a little bit depressed growth of kind of, uh, in my from my memory, the low 2% range was our real GDP numbers heading into COVID. With some optimism, but uh, that was crushed pretty quickly in the spring of 2020. And then after after a bunch of fears subsided at the beginning of the pandemic, we were suddenly faced with a ton of money on the sidelines and a very bullish buyer base in, in real estate. That all happened really quickly, but you combine that with record low interest rates and we ended up with the extremely hot market that we've been in for the past 2 years. So basically the the record low overnight rate at the Bank of Canada was a quarter of a percent, 0.25 basis or 25 basis points. And basically that set the stage for some of the lowest mortgage rates in history. So we had, you know, going back just over a year ago, we were we were funding larger commercial mortgages in kind of the mid 2% range. And fast forward to today we're we're looking at rates almost approaching 5% for that same 5-year term so wow i remember i remember at the beginning of last year we 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 did one at 2.65 for for a very strong borrower and that same borrower today might be looking at you know 475
1: well, and when you say strong borer, you're referring to like me and Adam as borrowers, like that type of strong. Of or or are yeah, you, is this guy. I was
2: can't, the can't, five. Can't, yeah, can't <laughs> I was get much five.
1: Stronger. Then you were five. John told me earlier six point eight when I called him. So
0: <laughs> for for context, for context, I'll just say the, these guys were about as strong as as I've worked with. Oh, okay, so.
1: so it was me and Adam then. Okay,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let the uh, listeners uh, deduct the rest. But and yeah, John, yeah. one thing just so. for
1: our listeners: are uh, you talk about. the the posted rate of 0.25% with the Bank of Canada. Can you maybe shed a little bit of light? What does that reflect? Because obviously BMO and CIBC aren't lending money at 0.25%. Can we put into context for listeners what that represents?
0: Yeah, it's basically the Canadian government influences demand through setting this rate. So basically the, the overnight lending rate is the rate that Banks will lend to each other at the end of the day to to settle their accounts and to meet their their capital ratios. That's a whole other show. But basically, if uh, one bank comes to the end of the day with more capital than they need to, to meet their regulated ratios, they can lend it to other banks that are short or banks can borrow directly from the Bank of Canada lending window. And it's called a target rate. It doesn't have to be exactly... A quarter of a percent but that's where they they target that rate so that's basically the you know the cheapest money out there because it's it's large institutions that have the highest credit worthiness so all other rates are are set off of that so it's just kind of a a cascade effect so everything from you know bankers acceptance to government bonds to the final mortgage rates that we see build off of that overnight rate
2: gotcha gotcha So, so John, I'm just thinking from the residential perspective, just in the last week or so, a lot of people have moved to the sidelines in our market. And, uh, you know, we were kind of already a spotty market in, in residential in the sense that we were starting to notice some sub markets were not as hot as it has been. And now just this past weekend, we noticed that a lot of people after the weekend that were expecting multiples, didn't get multiples. And uh, the market's definitely shifting right now in residential. What's your take on the uh, on the commercial market?
0: Uh, I mean, it's a it's a broad question. We we have so many different facets of commercial compared to residential. You've got you know industrial on one hand is so much in need by businesses, and there there's such a lack of of long term supply. It's really hard to see the end of this supply demand imbalance. That I, I think it's going to have to be one of the least affected markets, but I think everything will be affected on on a sliding scale. So multifamily is traditionally the you know the strongest, if not or the second, if not the the strongest uh, asset class in commercial. So you know it'll probably be fairly resilient as well. But I mean, every everything is is going to get affected by this. It, it, It messes up development pro formas that are looking out two years. You know, if you're looking at Rates that are one and a half to to almost two percent higher, not even a year from now, which is what is kind of the consensus right now among economists that that has to weigh on on a market so it's really hard to say how much, but I think we are we we are sort of uh you know we talk about it a lot here at impact, and we all are sort of of the belief that in the next probably two to three years we're going to see some potentially significant softening. It's just I I don't know how how it can't happen. But as always, the strong will will survive and thrive. And I think there'll be a lot of well capitalized groups on the sidelines that are looking for that that kind of re-entry window when when that softness comes. And that'll probably be the start of, you know, the next bull run and interest rates might have come down by then. So yeah, it's it's really hard to predict exactly how much things will be affected. But I think Everything's gonna take a, a bit of a, a hit if we see rates up four percent, call it from where they were a year ago. And that honestly, that that could happen.
2: So I, I'm just thinking, and again, since I'm I'm the layman in the room here with you and Corey, in residential, it seems like interest rates is a real kind of punch in the face to the market. It sounds to me like commercials is just a bit more resilient and probably just due to supply restraints. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I I think that's particularly in industrial where we we have some of the lowest vacancy in North America, in in the lower mainland in industrial. So it's hard to see like what what you would see in a more kind of balanced market is rising interest rates would cause cap rates to rise, you know, to compensate buyers and, and basically be competitive with other investment options out there like bonds. But industrial is such a such an unusual market here that I, it, it seems to be fairly bulletproof. It, it could soften a little bit. You could have some, some marginal developers sitting on, on land that, you know, they're, they're barely affording. Those are the guys that, that might be forced to turn over properties, but there's just, I don't think there's enough of that out there to make a, to take a big bite out of industrial. We, we, we could see a little bit of upward pressure on cap rates. Um, some of the other, like multifamily is a little bit more of of a um, of kind of, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Stabilized? It's just, well, it's stabilized, but it's discretionary. It's more discretionary. Like it, you've got big groups out there looking for multifamily that they don't have to buy it. If they, if they don't see the numbers working, they can sit on the sidelines and wait for an opportunity. Whereas large industrial owner users are going to be out there fighting for every square foot right so yeah. that that's the difference there and then i mean office there there's already you know we have a, a really healthy office market here despite everything that's happened but there's not a lot of office for sale frankly it's it's much more of a leasing environment still in office there there's more and more strata being built but you just you don't see it as much so and then retail is i think retail could be an interesting one actually because. A lot of the uh, economists I follow are saying they're like I I was listening to an RBC commentary the other day and they were saying there's going to be a major shift here from retail to more um, travel and service oriented spending. And that actually there's a ton of money on the sidelines. They're estimating there's 300 billion dollars in savings among Canadian households. Because of all the stimulus that's happened and not as much spending as usual, it's kind of been this this uh, double sided effect of just having a, a huge amount of money on the sidelines. so I think that could that could bolster retail, but it's also going to flow into the uh you know tourism and and service sectors so it's not It's not all doom and gloom and it's it's going to be interesting to see what offset takes place there. Where does that money flow
1: to? Well, I think I can clear the air with one thing. I mean, I can tell you where none of that $300 billion <laughs> is. It's not in my account. It's probably not in Adam's account. So we'll just clear the air there right now. Speak for yourself, Gordon. Yeah, that's
0: true. That's true. Yeah. I, I don't know where...
1: It yeah. Is. Well, <laughs> I, I, as I should say him. that, prior to this going on, we are talking about Adam had purchased a, a house in Kelowna. So I know he's probably got at least $8 million in the bank with that house since he probably <laughs> bought it last year. So he's doing okay. <laughs>
0: there you go. There so, you go. John,
1: obviously inflation has played a major, major impact in the quick rise of interest rates here. Can you maybe talk a little bit how they correlate a little bit? And then if we're watching inflation, is there, as we see that start to, to hopefully, fingers crossed, in the future, bend and start coming backwards on it, will that sort of be a leeway to watch rates kind of plateau? Or what's the correlation there?
0: Well, yeah, we're, we're actually recommending that Clients look at three-year fixed rates right now, which which has not been the story. It's been five years all the way because we've we've had these record low rates. Now now we're getting up to a point where we think rates may actually start to come back down in the next two to three years, and there might be a, a good refinancing opportunity in uh you know in the, in that next two to three year window. The Bank of Canada is seeing the target two percent inflation, not revisit until 2024. So it's a ways out and it it takes a really long time to fight back inflation that we've been seeing. And on that note, you know, last night I actually was, I sent Corey a quick email saying, Hey, good timing. They just posted a, what is a 31 year high, 6.7% year over year inflation print for March. So that's a big problem. And and Doug, one of Doug Porter's comments was that um we have a major inflation problem here. And it's gonna take an aggressive approach from the Bank of Canada and it's gonna take time. And I've had clients say, Well, this is all taking place because of, of the war in the Ukraine and and what it's doing to commodities, but that that's I don't think that's the case. This was well on its way before the war broke out. Yeah. And that's that's just exacerbated things, and it, I think it you know it can take on a bit of a life of its own where people believe prices are going higher, so they will continue to drive prices higher, and you know because they're expecting higher prices in the future. So that that's kind of what what we're hearing, and the Bank of Canada believes uh, we'll see two and a half percent in the in the second half of of next year, and like I said, followed by hitting their two percent target again in 2024 so that's when we think they'll they'll start lowering rates again Is within that time frame uh
1: and john do you have anything positive to say at all today
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that i thought the 300 billion in savings was uh well, was pretty positive that might that be that an
1: adam's account that's <laughs> definitely not in mine
0: <laughs> yeah but the, i mean that could be an offset though but um yeah, no, no, I'm looking around here at my notes. Not a ton, Corey. Well, I think to I be, think honestly. to be
1: honest with you, obviously we've 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 seen this enormous bull run of a market as of late over the past couple of years, and I think if we you know COVID hit, there was so much uncertainty. Probably the last thing we all thought of when we're sitting in our basements with everything shut down, or watching the news to find out what's going on, that people think, hey, real estate's going to take off. And you I mean fast forward two years, that's happened. I mean where do you? Anticipate things, kind of. You know, mean progressing here? Obviously, interest rates—we're we're tying. Is there, there's, you mean, the higher interest rates. Obviously, have to have some sort of softening effect. Are you guys seeing that on the lending side? Are you seeing less deals come across the plate because interest rates are rising, or are you guys still seeing a steady flow of deals, or even an increase of deals? Where maybe in the short term that hasn't sort of affected the actual transaction side of the business yet.
0: Yeah, you know what? It's important to maybe take a step back. It is definitely not all doom and gloom. And I, and I think that that savings number is really important for continuing to drive the market. And when when we say it's going to affect the market, I don't think you're going to have any negative pricing in real estate. I don't think you're going to see prices fall dramatically, if at all. I just think we're going to, we we've been going up at pretty crazy intervals, especially in industrial and multifamily. I just think we're going to see more moderate growth. We're going to see more kind of balanced, maybe, uh, you know, keeping up with inflation, which is still very, very strong. So I'm actually quite bullish. It's just you see these high interest rates and it scares people. But, you know, real estate historically has stayed ahead of inflation. So as long as you can Afford to hang on to your real estate, you can afford to keep debt servicing your your mortgage payments, then you should actually continue to do quite well. So it's it's a more of a positive outlook, actually.
1: As we enter this climate of higher interest rates, is there a an investment strategy that you guys see more often than not? Do people are they buying from an equity standpoint? Are people now looking for higher cap rates in secondary, tertiary markets where they can buy cash flow, which might be more resilient in the event things start to you know slow down at all. Are you seeing more deals come around in markets like that now, maybe than what you saw last year?
0: Uh we are seeing, I, I would say we're seeing a rush of newer entrants into the commercial market, into those tertiary markets. Yeah. And those the markets in you know central and northern BC are have been red hot. And I think they could stay quite you know, quite stable because the cap rates are there to support these higher mortgage payments. But no matter what, you're going to see lower loan to values across all markets. It's it's a direct relationship between higher interest rates and lower loan to value. So, yeah, the answer is kind of twofold. Yes, we're seeing a very active market in those very uh, those much higher cap rate jurisdictions, but we also have I would say kind of the the old money or the the institutional money is always going to be shopping in the major centers and that I don't think that's ever going to change you're not going to see them going up to uh you know Fort St. John or Prince George on mass it's going to be they're going to go where the big population growth is and they're not necessarily worried about you know tremendously strong cash flow they're looking at where is this market headed in the next 10, 20 years. And I think that's where all real estate investors should be looking. And if you're looking out beyond that sort of five to 10 year time frame, then I don't think there's actually that much negativity out there. I think it's, it's still a good time if you can feel comfortable about your debt servicing.
1: Now, John, you just touched base there a little bit on the loan to value aspect of it. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit more about obviously these higher interest rates make it i mean harder and harder from a purchaser standpoint keeping a, a attractive loan to value. Can you maybe touch base a little bit maybe on on how what a loan to value is and then obviously if we fast forward a little bit here and we hit higher and higher interest rates how that will affect the loan to value equating to a larger down
0: payment. Yeah, so i mean loan to value on a on a purchase is simply the the loan amount divided into the the purchase price. So very straightforward. Little, little trickier on, uh, or a few more moving parts on a refinancing, but but that's how simple it is on a purchase. And I would say when we were when we were looking at rates, you know, in the high twos, low threes, just over a year ago, we were looking at, I want to say an average of honestly 50 to 55 percent loan to value across the lower mainland. It, it wasn't that great. <laughs> So it took pretty deep pockets to get into a property like pretty much any property in the lower mainland on a conventional mortgage basis. Now we're going to be looking at well under 50% with these interest rates as long as prices remain stable. So if people keep paying the same price and we've got interest rates 1% or 2% higher, the only thing that can that can move is the mortgage amount and that's just going to directly affect your down payment so yeah it is going to get harder to get into real estate but you know we deal with a lot of owner occupiers that can debt service their their loans multiple times over so that's what i think is going to is going to support the more commercial markets outside of multifamily is just really strong income statements and ability to debt service even if things get quite a bit tougher from here
1: so the positivity just continues to roll on
0: <laughs> well we we are in a very strong business environment like the the biggest impediment to businesses right now is is supply chain issues which you know is is generally a, a pretty good thing if that's your biggest problem we, we have probably too much demand which is what's driving inflation right now so Things on the business front are actually very positive. There's lots of cash. Really, the the biggest thing is just the risk of uh, of running into debt servicing issues. But, you know, as long as you're conservative in your in your pro formas, your projections, that can be managed, I think, quite well.
2: And, and are rents going up at the moment? I know we're talking about a lot of different uh, asset classes here. But generally speaking, are rents going up in the lower mainland?
0: Uh, rents? Have been going up rapidly actually, so we're now seeing you know projections from our our uh, industrial broker referral network you know they're telling us to use twenty to twenty two dollars a square foot for net rents on industrial, which which was unheard of even two years ago we were looking at twelve to fourteen dollars so that so we've had this huge move in land and property values, but it's been you know thankfully offset quite largely by by lease rates going up so and then multi-family same thing we've seen rent rates go up very quickly part of the problem there is there's such tight restrictions on the residential tenancy act that you can only take advantage of those in a in a suite turnover so it's a little bit harder to uh to sort of project out how you know how you might reposition a building over time but uh, but in general those rents are going up very, very quickly as we bring in more and more immigrants. We're, I think we all know we're looking at 400,000 immigrants a year over the next three years. That's definitely going to put a safety net under rents. The last thing I would say about that is costs are going up potentially faster than rents, particularly on the multifamily side. So, you know, that is a headwind, but. You've got some very, very strong owners in the, in the multifamily space that, that can weather some, some pretty bad storms. So I don't see you know, a ton of pain really in, a, in any of those asset classes. And
1: to, to John's point there, when he talks a lot about, about the industrial markets and lease rates going up, I can tell you firsthand that what I see come across my desk, sort of from a, a bird's eye view of across the province, lease rates on retail on office, industrial are continuing to go up regardless of it. So when you're looking at acquiring the real estate, you just want to make sure you're buying right into the right asset class. You want to make sure you're buying a good location because regardless to what the benchmark pricing looks like when you buy and sell the real estate, the rents don't dictate what the property is worth in the short term. So if you're buying a good asset with it and you're going to continue to get it right you know, steady step ups in your rent year over year over year, you'll always do well in commercial real estate, regardless to kind of the interest rates that you're dealing with and stuff like that. So.
0: Yeah, that, that's so true. If you're buying a property that has been poorly managed, you know, the, the cap rate, the going in cap rate almost doesn't matter if you have a, a clear view to significantly improving the rents over two, three, four years, then uh, really you want to be paying attention to what's your cap rate. Once the repositioning is taking place and that's why that's one of the reason multifamily can be so attractive. There's a lot more to unlock versus a, you know, traditional long-term commercial lease. Yeah,
1: exactly. You're, you're bang on. And that's where even in these markets right now, like I said, I think my prediction is obviously like, I agree with you that, that as interest rates rise, I mean, there'll probably be a softening of the the massive price run up. But the one thing we're still shocked about is how little inventory exists. As long as the inventory remains low, demand is going to remain high. Prices will stabilize, maybe creep up a little bit, but you know these lease rates are continuing to go up and up and up, even in the vacant office market. That way you see offices that aren't being tenanted currently are getting back to being tenanted now, sorry, but they're renewing at higher rates than where they were you know, mid-COVID. So, I mean, everything's pointing in the right direction from a landlord perspective and to still get back into the market.
0: Well, yeah, and you look at it, one of the biggest effects inflation is going to have is on replacement costs. So, if you got into a property you know at a, at a decent value over the last few years, it's going to be more and more expensive to replace that asset in the next five to ten years. so I mean for that that that's why i'm I'm still overall quite bullish right yeah, it's, no, I
1: think one one strategy too, and we're also looking into marketplaces for buyers right now is is looking at the the replacement cost value of these assets. And if you're buying stuff close to or even below replacement cost value, as John alluded to there, the costs to produce these products are going to continue to go up. Kind of creates a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of a safety net of maybe where you might see pricing going just based on inflation.
2: Absolutely. I'm just curious, John, so who in uh, who's being impacted the most by this? If you think about the commercial market and, and and people that want to get into the commercial market.
0: Um, I mean, the, the easy answer, I guess, is always, you know, the, those on the margin. So if you were thinking and it was looking a little tight a year ago, you're you're probably maybe not even a candidate to buy today. Uh, it's, it's hard to say how, you know, what percentage of the market falls into that category. I, I don't think it's a it's a huge percentage, to be honest, when I get introductions to new clients and we're we're doing an assessment on their, you know, their last three years of financial statements, we're seeing a lot of very strong businesses and i i see very few where i'm just thinking you know the, these guys are gonna have a really tough time most mostly there's a there's a lot of strength out there 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 was a lot of businesses just frankly took advantage of the you know the SIBA loans which fair enough they they were allowed to so why not so we we've seen just an actual strengthening of balance sheets through the pandemic, which I don't think anybody would have predicted. So yeah, who's who's affected like like I said earlier, I, I almost think it's you have to look more to to those that are holding higher interest short-term loans. So that might be marginal developers. It might be uh, you know, people who were getting into properties to reposition them and they were taking on bridge loans at 7% that are now going to be potentially pushing up to 10 percent in the next year that makes a big difference so you know it's those people that were taking bigger chances and were cutting things a bit closer when things looked really good that will be be feeling the pain but maybe that's less than five percent of property owners like I don't see it hugely swaying the market overall
1: so is it fair to say that the the owner occupier market there is still going to continue to drive a lot of some of these you know strata pre-sales and stuff like that that we've seen over the few years you guys predict that's still gonna carry forward
0: yeah i i do and i think lease rates are are a big part of that story because if if lease rates were still 12 to 14 dollars, but you saw industrial prices go from 400 to 700, which they did in the last, you know, two and a half years on industrial. Then you would be thinking, okay, uh, you know, this leasing looks pretty attractive. But the fact is, lease rates have almost doubled in that time. They've gone up about the same proportion from kind of 12 to 14 dollars to now 21, 22 dollars. So that dynamic hasn't really changed. They're still looking at this comparison and thinking, I'm I'm putting a lot of money into my landlord's pocket over the next five to 10 years why not put that equity back into my pocket yeah so yeah i do i do see that dynamic continuing and it's gonna the market's gonna be interesting for sure over the next uh two years to see if you know we can maintain these these sales prices of of 700 plus per square foot even on larger base stuff but um So far, they're they're still getting
1: the buyers. I'm going to just go a little bit off topic here for a second here. But I know every time we have you on or we have Alan or anyone from Impact, you guys see all the deals come across your desk. I mean, there's brokers from all over the province, buyers from all over the province putting paper in front of you to try to get financing. Where are you seeing an uptick of deals from? Is it Northern BC, Vancouver Island? Is there markets there that you're starting to see increased activity in over the past year that maybe aren't on a lot of people's radar?
0: yeah and i'm I'm glad you said the past year because i I don't really see any any markets drastically heating up right now. It'll be probably more of a story of of maintaining and maybe going back to more sort of balanced growth levels but in in the past kind of twelve to eighteen months, we got a lot more questions about Vancouver Island and the Okanagan in particular, and those are you know still pretty pretty large population centers that appeal to a broader part of the market when you start looking at the really small markets like some i mentioned before you know the prince george's and the fort st john's vanderhoofs that's generally a a certain type of buyer that's comfortable with kind of a lower growth profile with much higher income though and and they're much more focused on cash flow so we definitely saw a lot of interest like i said victoria we were seeing Deals where we were forecasting out, you know, 65 to 70 percent loan to value in Victoria and Langford and Colwood, the markets that, you know, I've been talked about a lot on the show, and uh, and William Wrights had some some great listings over there. It's it's pretty attractive when, as an investor, you're looking at only having to put 30 to 35 percent down versus 55 percent down across the water in you know Burnaby or, or New West, right? So and a similar dynamic in the Okanagan.
1: So, John, before we let you go, because we know you're very, very busy here, we have our alluded six pack of, of lighthearted questions. I always ask you. We're not letting you leave without them. So we're not going to give you the option to stay. We're <laughs> going to we're gonna just, we're gonna just gonna tell you that, All right. that we're going to kick right. this off. Can't wait. May have changed. Favorite vacation spot?
0: Uh last time I said Costa Rica, I believe. So I'm going to go with somewhere I need to get to, which is Hawaii. And I oh, oh that's I a good one. I can't believe I haven't been yet, but I yeah, I need I need to get there next.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think Adam, did you just get back from it's Hawaii? A, it's
2: a good spot for Adam uh, just got back young families, Hawaii. John. You're a great candidate. Yeah, for it. <laughs> uh, Adam,
1: Adam's living the high life of his equity in Kelowna. <laughs>
2: I love how this joke's go. just been... This, the new uh, joke of the podcast is just make fun of my finances, but I love it.
1: I, I'm, I'm making fun of them because you have finances. Try
0: not having finances.
2: <laughs> oh, man. It's, All right. it's getting
0: some good, good use,
2: yeah. Your go-to karaoke song, John.
0: Oh, man. The last one I remember trying was new york by jay-z and and my god it's it's pretty hard to rap that fast like i was just a disaster well there's man.
1: that continuous gangster rap on the podcast
2: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally yeah. but, but yeah, also yeah, no,
2: but that's a brave podcast. uh I, I would never take that on but that's a you must have had a few
0: um, maybe and I yeah and I kind of got thrown into it. I didn't have much choice. Kind of like this uh six pack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you have a six pack before you did the jiving? That's what I want to know.
0: Yeah, All right. probably.
1: If you're not thrown into the karaoke, but you get to pick your song, what's your favorite band?
0: Well, I I can't really change my favorite band. I uh I went with Led Zeppelin last time and uh I played the drums since I was 11 and I always my brother had his Led Zeppelin CDs on so I started picking up some, uh, John Bonham drum beats and you, you can't go wrong with that. So that's nice. always stuck very nice.
2: Me. Very nice. Great. Yeah. What is a uh, one book you'd recommend for our listeners?
0: Oh, one book. You know what? What? I can't remember one of your recent guests said about, um, the great depression. It was called a diary of the great depression, something like that. Very, very interesting. And, uh, So, so many similarities today, not in the way that I, not, I don't at all think we're heading into a depressionary type of environment, but just how people haven't really changed since then. And the psychology hasn't changed. The terminologies are, um, pretty much parallel. It's, it's, it's a really cool read, actually.
1: Something you've spent for 1500 bucks or less recently that's changed your life in a good way.
0: Ninja air fryer. Ninja air fryer. Wow. Unbelievable. Costco. Yeah. Life changer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I will I will say this, surprisingly or not, steaks in the in the air fryer are amazing.
2: Wait, is that that's the yes. thing?
1: Yeah. I, I I can't remember if Every,
2: I
0: everything. Everything, works. everything. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. You can put yeah. everything
1: in the air fryer and it comes out better.
0: It's like steaks. vegetables yeah. come out actually, you know, excited. Like I'm excited to eat vegetables. You know, I guess, oh, it's, you, it's they amazing. come out
1: so charred like the barbecue. Yeah. Like they're just exactly. amazing. Like cactus club quality. Christmas to your broccoli from your ninja you got air fryer. It.
0: Wow, you got it. Sound, sounds like a third sponsor for the <laughs> show if coming up. This commercial up,
1: it <laughs> doesn't work out. It fails. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if if this fails, I'll be the guy at Costco on Sunday testing the air fryer at the end of aisle seven.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, John, what are you binge watching these days, or or a movie recommendation?
0: Better call Saul. I just finished the fifth season. Oh wow! And it's awesome. So if people don't know it's the it's the prequel to breaking bad and it's it's a little slower it's it's actually quite slow at times but it's just done so well and the acting so good it's yeah it's it's awesome all
1: right all right uh, john last question here for you a piece of advice for our listeners who are heading into a higher interest market what's some piece of advice on the financing side
0: uh don't be afraid of like honestly don't be afraid of higher interest rates whether that means having to resort to the alternative market to jump on a great deal. If you know you're getting a great deal, maybe you have a distressed buyer. You can get some amazing things done with with bridge lending. And, uh, you know, happy to chat with anyone about that. But also conventional rates. As long as you can look out two to three years and know you're going to be able to make your payments, that's what really matters. Because like we talked about, inflation is going to drive all assets higher over time. So the important thing is just being able to hang on.
2: Ah, That's fantastic. Well, John, how can people find out more about what you're up to and, of course, uh, Impact Commercial?
0: Uh, yeah, all of our contact information is on our website. Um, I've got a Instagram account, uh, Vancouver Commercial Mortgages, and we've also got our Impact Commercial Instagram. Uh, yeah, lo- lots of ways. We're highly accessible and happy to chat with any
2: new faces. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time today, John.
0: For sure, guys.
1: Thanks, John. Bye. Take care. And there you have it, folks. Our interview with John Switzer, partner at Impact Commercial.
2: You know, I was spending the most of the interview trying to understand if John's a glass half empty or half full kind of guy. It, it was uh, he was it was a real balancing act there. Yeah, I think at for times his- he, I was scared about the market. At other points, I was like, Nah, it's going to be business as usual. Yeah,
1: well, I think you know what you know. You kind of probably the best way to describe it is John's glass had a hole in it, but he kept filling it back up. So. <laughs> So it was always half full. So you got to appreciate the positivity. I think right. you know, one thing that's great about having John on is he's he's not gonna you know not gonna BS or or try to sugarcoat it in any way. He obviously brought up the big pink elephant in the room: why these rates are you know how why they're going up so fast? What's impacting that? Right? How does that tie into inflation? So he does that. But at the same point in time too, he always comes back around and says, "Hey, but don't worry, just go buy multifamily."
2: Yeah. Well, usually the pink elephant in the room is Matt, but he's not <laughs> with us today. So I appreciate you uh, explaining that one. Uh, Corey, what else is going on? Your it's clearly still busy. We're You're still, busy.
1: yeah, we're still really busy. Like we talked a little bit about on the episode there, just lack of inventory out there. Right. Interest rates obviously will have an impact, you would think at some point, but also John alludes to how much money is on the sidelines still that hasn't come into the market. And when good assets come in, we saw recently, uh, we talked about this last show, a good asset in the NIMO. An office building had 11 offers on it, sold Crazy. unconditional, just unheard of. So it seems like there's a lot of that money that's still around, and that will always kind of propel this market. And, you I mean, we've always suffered from lack of inventory. So, I mean, we're still steady. Put it that way.
2: So if things soften, is it like institutional money or is it cash buyers? Like who's going to have the most leverage in a market like this?
1: Well, traditionally, when you find like a lot of the institutional type buyers, you mean they're coming in with cash and they'll do like they'll refinance the asset after closing. So it right. gives them an advantage in that situation. And if you ever find anyone with a great asset that maybe has to liquidate or they're a little tight on cash, you mean it's it's a lot of those big REITs and institutional type buyers and stuff like that that can come in. With a cash with a quick close, quick subject period, which that science can pick up a deal when, when guys need to move. So, I mean, that's typically
2: who, who wins that out, unfortunately. Right. Has your advice for buyers changed at all?
1: No, not at all. We've obviously been very bullish on, you know, John talks about it as well, Vancouver Island, BC Interior. I mean, just buying into markets where you do have still growth before. So even if you buy something today, and you're bringing a little bit more on the debt to get it, and you pencil out ten years on it. You're not going to go wrong on Vancouver Island. You're not going to go wrong in downtown Kelowna. You're not going to go wrong in Kamloops. You're not going to go wrong in Chilliwack. So I think it's just a matter of of just making sure you're you're buying smart right now. Just buy smart. In case you have a little bit of a hiccup here, you just make sure you have the finances to weather the storm, and then you know you'll be totally fine.
2: So if I am a buyer or a seller, how do I get in touch with you guys? You
1: can reach out to us at our Vancouver office anytime at 604-428-5255. You can visit our website, williamwright.ca. And you're always welcome to email me, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always happy to talk real estate.
2: Excellent. Well, have a great week, guys. And we're back next week with another fantastic episode. Thanks so much for
1: listening, guys. Take
2: care.
0: Subscribe today.